you know, that's the amazing thing about life, especially within a church or in a, or in a, in a family. It, it's the, the taking away and the adding to. It's just, it's just life and how life moves and evolves and changes and, and we adapt and we embrace it and, we, and sometimes we resist it. But, but the reality is life is ever-changing. It's like, the, it's like the waves in the ocean. They're going to come and they're going to go. And they're going to come and they're going to go. And, and, and it's the ebb and flow of, of life. And it's how we embrace this thing we call life will we'll determine how effective we really are. We, as, as the body of believers, the, the, uh, the body of Christ, the church, we are a group, a body that is put together by Almighty God. And it's amazing that in that, in that room, the 120 were praying and the Holy Spirit came upon them a little over 2,000 years ago and the church was birthed and, and that church began to grow and mushroom and, and it was amazing to, to look at it and to, and to peer into what was really happening and taking place in their hearts. The scripture says that they had all things in common. They were together. They were unified. They were focused. They were a body. Colossians 1.15 says that Christ is the image of the invisible God. Nobody has ever seen God. But if you really want to take a look at who God is, if, if God was a person, we already know who that is. It's Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. Everything that Christ did, it was he had the attributes of the invisible God. If you want to know how much God loves, look at the love of Christ. If you want to know how forgiving God is, look at the forgiveness of Christ. If you want to know how powerful God is, look at the power of Christ. If you want to know the authority that God has in life, look at the authority that Christ has. Christ was the image of the invisible God. And the scripture says that the church, you and I, are you ready for this? We are the body of Christ. As Christ displayed to us a right relationship with God and, and a right relationship with one another, it's the church that should mirror and, uh, and influence the world by having a right relationship with God and a right relationship with one another. Did you know, do you realize... If we, you know, we, we love to look at the, the Ten Commandments, but if you really look at the Old Testament, there's a whole lot more than Ten Commandments. Some of them are, are from God, and some of them were from, like when the Pharisees, they, would create, they created more commandments than God did. But in the, in the original Ten Commandments, four of them, four, deal with your relationship with God. Six, deal with your relationship with one another. You know what that tells me? God is more interested in how you relate to one another than he is about your personal theology. 
God is so focused on you and I having a right relationship with one another that, that when we are together, the world can look and say, that is Christ. John said it this way, they'll know you're, you're his disciples by the love that you have for one another. It's that love and how we live in, in this symbiotic relationship with the Holy Spirit and then, and then with one another is, is a direct result of how we treat one another, how we look at one another, how we perceive one another, how we embrace one another. We imitate Christ in our relationships uh, in the church, in our community, our relationship with God, our relationship with one another, our relationship with the world is all focused on how we treat one another, the body of Christ. And I want to talk to you about one element of a relationship that if you don't have it, you're not going to be successful. I don't care if it's uh, in church, in your family, in your business, dealing with the cash, cashier at the grocery store. If you go to the cashier at the grocery store, I go to the self-check because I like to see if I'm cheating myself. Can you? Anyway, I'm not going to chase that rabbit. I saw it, it went that way, I almost ran after it, and I thought, no, I am not going to do that. I want to talk to you today. Here's Paul writing to the church in, in Philippi, and he focuses his attention on, on this one thing, esteem. If you would, look, go to that first, look at Philippians 2, 3. Here's Paul, and he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility, value or esteem others above yourself. And you say, well, what is, what is esteem? Esteem is simply a verb. It says it means to think, believe, consider, value, prize, prefer, appraise. We are to think of others above ourselves. We are to believe that others are above ourselves. We are to consider others above ourselves. We are to value and prize others above ourselves. We are to prefer others over ourselves. We are to appraise people. If you have something appraised, you have it and they, detail, and they tell you how much value it really has. And we, as followers of Christ, are to appraise, to place a value on other believers that is worth more than you and I. It's kind of hard, isn't it? Do you think that's difficult? That we praise people, we esteem people above us? Here's Paul, and he's writing to the church, and he just simply says... Don't do anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility esteem others better than yourself. Don't do anything out of selfish ambition. Selfish ambi ambition is simply being self-centered, self-focused, self-identifying, self that, that you're preferring your way over somebody else's. And 
and vain conceit is just so you can say, I won. That we're not, you know, because the thing is, if, um, if you get into an argument and you, and you say you win, no, you didn't, both lost. The reality is, if you really want to have this ingredient that will revolutionize your life, revolutionize your relationship with your family, revolutionize your relationship with your church, revolutionize your, your business, it's when you begin to set aside your own needs and you begin to look at the needs of others and you say, I value them. I have worked for companies and I've worked for pastors that, that valued me. And I gave them 110%. I have worked for companies that looked at me as expendable. You've done the same thing. And in the body of Christ, in the, in the relationship that we have with one another, valuing each other is essential. This is what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.13. Here he is talking to the church in Thessaloniki, and he says, Hold them in highest regard in love. Now, he's speaking about those uh, that, that were laboring within the church, but if you take it to its logical conclusion, it's not just speaking of, of pastors and teachers and those that are giving, but it could refer to anybody. And he says, hold them in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. Speaking about those, and he says, esteem one another with genuine love. If you want to regard somebody, if you want to esteem them, if you want to put them and prefer them, you've got to do it in love. And the only way that you can actually get into understanding somebody else is to really love them. And you say, well, there's some people that are unlovable. Well, yes. It doesn't give you an out to say, I'm not going to love them. You can love somebody in spite of themselves. After all, Christ, the image of God, we are his body. On the cross said to about those that crucified him, Father, get them. He didn't say that. He said, Father, forgive them. They just don't know what they're doing. See, and that's the key. That's the essential ingredient. If you want to esteem somebody and you see somebody that's acting uh, in a negative way and they're, or they're pursuing things in a negative fashion, you need to consider the fact that they just don't know what they're doing. When I see people turn their back on God and walk away from him, it, it, it hurts me, it grieves me, because I know that they're not in right relationship with God, and I know that they're going to stand before him one day. And to be honest, it breaks my heart. And it's essential that, that you and I, as the, as the body of Christ, as the, as the church, that, that we look at one another and we give them highest regard because of their work. And, and the result is 
that you will live in peace. You like peace. My wife sings a, a song to all the grandchildren when, they're, when she's trying to get them to sleep. She always sings peace, peace, wonderful peace. So, and, and when they're not wanting to go to sleep, they hear it. You should see their eyes. It's like, no! And they run because they know it's time for bed. And then when they get a little bit older and they don't want to get out of bed, then she sings rise and shine and give God the glory. So my grandkids don't like to hear my, my wife sing because they know. But the reality is it's if you want to live in peace, if you want the peace of God in your heart, if you want the peace of God between one another, value other people. See them as Christ sees them. I was just in a conversation this morning and somebody had mentioned the, the woman at the well where Jesus looked at her and he said, you know, well, go get your husband. And, and he said, well, I, I don't have a husband. And he said, that's well said. You had, you've had five husbands and the guy you're hanging around with now is not your husband. Jesus wasn't being caustic. He wasn't being harsh. He wasn't being negative. He was just letting her know, I know you. And he was reaching for her. And he said, well, pastor, you just don't understand the relationship that I'm walking through right now. Yes, I do. But the reality is I don't have to know it. What I have to understand, what I have to know is do you value that person above yourself? Here's what, Paul, here's what Paul goes on to say in, in Philippians chapter 2. He's talking to the church, and he says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Oh, boy. Now we've got to think like Jesus. What was the mindset of Jesus? What, what was his mindset? He said, who? Jesus. Being in very nature, God. Before he was conceived, before he took on a body, he is God. And he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Another translation says that he didn't use it because, uh, not to his own advantage, but he didn't think that it was something to be wrestled for. In other words, what, what he's saying is Jesus knew who he was. He was comfortable with who he was. And if you aren't happy or content with who you are in Christ, you will never esteem others the way that you need to esteem them. You will either put them too high and you too low, or you'll put yourself too high and them too low. And either one of those is going to cause conflict because neither one of them is a the right relationship. You have to get to the place that as Christ, he knew 
who he was. He didn't consider uh, being equal with God something to be attained or grasped. He knew who he was, and yet he willingly made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant. He looked at it and said, I know who I am. I hope you, and I pray that you know who you are in Christ, that you are more than a conqueror through him who loves you, that you are the children of the living God. And when the trumpet sounds, there's nothing in this world that can hold you back. Eternal life is awaiting us, a a reign of righteousness, and there is going to be a crown for you. It's already fitted for your size. Death has no hold on us. I hope you know who you are. But in knowing, in understanding, in conceiving, in considering who you are in Christ, right now in this life, what is your ministry? We are the body of Christ. We are his hands and his feet. And our number one ministry is to serve one another. He said, well, no, my, my greatest ministry is to reach the world. No. Your greatest ministry is that you are part of the body of Christ, and you don't get to choose which part. The Bible says that he sets you in the body as he sees fit. Your role in the body of Christ is designed by God. And as it, as it is with the mission impossible, should you choose to accept this assignment? And that's where a lot of our frustrations get in our own lives is when we want to be another part of the body of Christ and we're not comfortable in our own skin. When you're comfortable in your own skin, you feel good. You feel right with God. And when you're right with God, you're able to have right relationship with, with others. And that's the beauty of knowing who you are in Christ. That you don't have to aspire to be something that you're not. I know I, I've had, over the years, had people you know that wanted me to get into... Uh, district stuff and, and be part of you know district boards and, and all that stuff and for the most part I have successfully hidden from them and you say well why do you do that because it's not me could I do it yes is it who God has called me to be no and I'm good with that I'm happy with that. I like being who I am, where I'm at, at the time, because in, when you find yourself not just in the permissive will of God, but that perfect will of God that you know that where you are, He has placed you, and that, and that it's not about you, it's about Him, and you begin to minister in that place where God has called you, amazing things begin to happen. Love abounds in your heart. You begin to look at other people in a different perspective. It's because... You have found your spot. 
you're comfortable in your skin. You're not striving to be something that, that you're not. You're just who you are. And to be honest, when you stand before the Lord, He's not going to say, how many churches did you build or, or how many cathedrals did you, did you contribute to or, or whatever he, you, you've done. He, he's just going to simply say, did you do what I asked you to do? And that's it. Be who you are in Christ. Look at yourself. That attitude, have the same attitude which was in Christ. We are moral beings with independent wills. You cannot change the circumstances that come your way. That stimulus that hits you, boom, and you have to make a decision. But in between the situation that you're in and the outcome of it remains your free will and you get to choose how you respond to what comes in your life if you if something comes into your life and it and it's a it's a negative situation how you respond to it will determine the outgo you can look at it like oh the devil has got me and man god hates me look how bad i am and then your your response will lead you down a wrong road speaking to somebody just for a moment your decisions how you respond to circumstances in your life will determine what happens and how you respond to to circumstances in your life is directly determined by how you see yourself in relationship to God You are valuable to God. God is not going to leave you. He is not going to forsake you. But we are victims of our own decisions, and our own decisions many times are determined by vanity, by pride, by arrogance, by, by negativity, by inferiority complexes, by whatever it may be that is not the true uh, person who you are in Christ. See yourself as who you really are in Christ. And when circumstances come your way, you'll make a right decision based on who you are in the Word of God. It's important. Have this same attitude. You're not a product of your past. You say, well, uh, who was it? Uh, the, old, the old comedian said, the devil made me do it. No, he didn't. No, the only, all the stupid things I've done in my life. And, I'm, and you say, well, what stupid things have you done? I'm not telling you. That would be stupid. But all the stupid things I've done in my life were a direct result of my response to a situation that was poor. That's it. I, I can look at my past and I can, and I can say, oh, those things that, that happened then, they, they made me who I am. No, no. Past mistakes are past mistakes. Past victories are past victories. Past good times are past 
In fact, the past is the past. Paul said, forgetting the past, I press toward the mark. Your past doesn't have to determine your future. You can allow your past to determine your future by going through that, that, that funnel and allowing all of the negativity that's happened in the, in the past to determine who you are. And, and if you really think that's who you are, that's how you're going to make your decisions and you're going to make wrong decisions. But when you finally realize that God loves me, God cares for me, and, and I am not perfect, but I am a child of God and in the circumstances that I I find myself in life if if I can get into a right relationship with God then I can begin to esteem and appreciate others and as I begin to esteem and appreciate others I can make right decisions and here's what happens when when you begin to make right decisions when you begin to make the appropriate decisions in your life when you accept who you are in Christ. Your decisions will be based on what the Word of God says. But my self-worth, my self-value, my self-honor, my self-dignity will be directly projected into and onto the relationships that I have with other people. Until I understand who I am in Christ, I will continue. If I have a, a wrong perspective of self-dignity, I will project that into my relationships with you. If I have a wrong re- uh, understanding of my self-worth, I am going to project that into my relationships with you. But when I understand who I am in Christ, and I understand that, that it doesn't matter what falls in my way in this life. I have been redeemed and I am loved by God Almighty and that He loves me and He cares for me and I can stand, as David said, I was once young and now I'm old and yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken. And when you get to that place that you understand who you are, your relationships with one another, because here's the key, I was teasing with the staff earlier, and they said, "How you know, they're talking about speaking. I said, I'm going to speak 28 minutes, 32 seconds. I have never timed a sermon in my entire life. I take that back. I had to in seminary. Hated it. When you get to the place that you know who you are, and you have a right relationship with God, that's when you will begin to esteem others. When you realize that God loves you, that God cares for you, that God has a purpose for you, that your self-identity is wrapped up in Him, that you're not basing all your decisions on who you used to be or who you think you are, but, but you're allowing God to determine who you are and that right relationship with him when you accept who you are in him that's when your relationship with God will change and that's when your relationship with one another will change see when you begin to really love the Lord and you understand what he has done for you that love for God will spew out overflow 
into your relationships with one another and, and esteeming, preferring, considering others over yourself are byproducts of a right relationship with God. And when God's people have right relationship with Him and their relationships with one another are correct. That's when the Holy Spirit really begins to roll. Do you realize that all the gifts... I'm going to ask our praise team to come back. you realize that... I know, it's 27 minutes. Um, that all of the gifts of the Spirit that are listed in the Scripture, because on Wednesdays we're going through that study... All of them are there to edify, to build up, to encourage the body of Christ. Did you realize that every single gift of the Spirit is, is there not to build the person that has the gift, but it's to build the body? And the reason why that God gives them is because he wants us to walk in relationship and unity with one another, considering one another better than ourselves. And, and when we do that, when we begin to walk in that, that's when God begins to use those gifts in the, in the church. And, and you'll be sitting there and the Lord will say, go pray with that person, you go pray with that person, you'll see amazing things begin to happen. When we understand who we are we understand our role in the body of Christ when we esteem and value and appreciate others more than our own that's when God says I have a child I can use I have a child I can bless I have a child that I can strengthen I have a child I will use to build my kingdom kingdom mindset is simply this just following after Christ finding out who you are in him would you stand with me you ever have a conversation with somebody and you think in your mind it's going to go one way and then it ends up going another way kind of like this sermon in my mind I thought we're going to go here and yet I believe designed by the Holy Spirit it has gone to the heart I'm just going to be very honest with you I don't know where you are don't know what what you're facing I don't know what decisions that you're making in your relationships, but I do know this, that it requires each of us to have a right relationship with God and to know who we are in the body of Christ and to really, really get to the place where we prefer one another. And if you've ever been there, if you've ever been to that place where you're serving someone else and you see the joy in their life, there's no greater place 
mentioned earlier, here's Christ on the cross and those that were crucified him and he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. May we, the church, have that same attitude and spirit that when you see somebody that's, that's being caustic or, or making wrong choices, we could just simply say, Father, please forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And, and perhaps God can use us to set them on a right track. Would you pray with me?